a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Force Ghost Coast to Coast, a multiversity comics podcast about all things Star Wars, all things a galaxy far, far away. It's 2019. There's going to be more Star Wars this year. We're getting a film this year. It's going to be great. Um, I am, as always, your host, Alice W. Castle, and joining me, as ever, is my co-pilot in all things, Brian Salvatore. How have you been? Uh, would you call me the Chewbacca to your Han Solo? I would. I would I also am, call you I am taller. The... I am hairier. <laughs> I guess that is true. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the name of the Wookiee that is in Knights of the Old Republic and Mission Vow, oh, but I can't yeah, I remember can't either. the actual Wookiee's name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how, how have you been? It's been a while since we caught up because we took the holiday season off because life is stressful enough without having to... to make a star wars podcast when there's no star wars news yeah it was reasonably quiet which was a nice thing both both in terms of star wars news and in terms of just you know life uh but i've been doing right i've been uh i've been slowly but surely catching up on rebels i've been letting um resistance pile up on my dvr but that's okay and uh i have one specific star wars thing that's gonna be part of my things i loved so we'll talk about that in a little bit how about you how have you been I have been very good. The holiday season was stressful, as always, but um, Resistance just came back uh, this weekend, so I'm excited for that being back, and I've had a lot of time to to read some Star Wars and not actually read any Star Wars, so, you know, (laughs) uh, swings and roundabouts. Um, So, yeah, let's dive into what this episode is going to be about, because, like I said, there's not really been a whole lot of actual Star Wars capital n news for a couple months now actually um but seeing as it's a new year i figured let's let's break down where we've been in the last year where we're going in the next year how we're feeling about star wars in january 2019 um we should also firm date we should also say right now that we recognize as soon as we're done recording this they're going to announce the title of the ninth movie Oh, one hundred percent. There, I, I feel like that either it's gonna drop to like an hour after recording, and we're gonna realize that we need to scramble back on mic, or it's gonna drop mid-show, which uh, I have like every news feed possible open to me right now, <laughs> just in case, because knowing us, it's gonna show up. Yeah, that would be great um, if it happened on the show. If it happened on the show, it'd be maybe the best moment we could capture. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so. What we're with the plan for for this episode is we're going to take a look at our favorite moments <coughs> of the last year in terms of Star Wars. Um, I was thinking about doing a best or, best and worst, but I I felt like it would be a bit um harsh to pick on the worst moments of Star Wars. Um, I I, I wanted to focus on our our favorite moments of the year, the the highlights that really stuck out st- stuck out to us, um, as well as the stuff that we we're really excited for in 2019 because 2019 is looking to be a big 
year for Star Wars. It's looking to be kind of this uh, kind of monumental year with the end of the Skywalker saga, the return of Clone Wars, among, you know, other things that we'll we'll talk about. Um, and then we're going to cap it off with our, our 2019 Star Wars resolutions, our, our resolutions to ourselves of what we as fans want either from Star Wars or want from us in relation to Star Wars. So that's that's kind of the, the shape of this show uh, in a nutshell. Um, would you like to start us off with a, a highlight from 2018 even? Sure. Um, and this one is is pretty silly. And it's pretty uh, specific to sort of my particular station in life, but that's okay. This awesome. this year, my family and I did a bunch of Star Wars Legos, and Star Wars and Lego have a, a pretty long history together. And, yeah, they do, and it's really fun. This year, we did the the Lego Advent Calendar, and so oh yeah, every day you get like a little ship or droid or something or a figurine, and both when it started off. Amelia, my daughter, who's almost seven, she loves Star Wars, so she was very excited. Mm-hmm. But then Ben got really into it. And, like, every morning <laughs> I would wake up and be walking down the stairs, and he'd run over to me holding the advent calendar and be like, it's time, it's time. And so we did that. Uh, after Christmas, I had to return something, and I had to use the store credit that day to buy something. And so I I bought um, Luke's Hut on Act 2 mm-hmm. playset with the, with the Porgs and all that, and... Uh, so my family had fun with that, and we didn't have a lot of fun with, with the Lego Star Wars stuff in general. And I know that there is an entire corner of the Star Wars fandom that I am totally unaware of, which is the Freemaker Adventures. Are you familiar with these at all? I have watched, I think, an episode, maybe an episode and a half. I tried to get into it, but um, never really kept up with it. Is it that it's not very good, or just you didn't keep up with it? It is very for young kids. Okay. Um, and like even like stuff like Rebels in the beginning and Resistance is like has that kind of young kids audience, but it's still largely kind of can be appreciated by an older audience. Uh Freemaker Adventures is like if you're not watching it with kids, it's kind of not got much for you. At least that was my Okay. Kind of experience with it. It's, it's very, very young kid uh, focused. I couldn't believe there were at least two, if not three, pieces in the advent calendar that were just Freemaker Adventures. Yeah, it is very popular. Is it still very it, popular or was it very popular? I have genuinely no idea, but it did get <sighs> two full seasons. Um, and I, I think it might be coming back for a third one. Actually, no, the, the last episode that aired was in 2017. So that's okay. That, that kind of answers our question. Yeah. Um, series final episode aired on August 16th, 2017. So I think we kind of missed the boat on that one. Yeah, I think so. Um, but no, the uh, I found that the Legos were a really good way to get Ben, who's much younger, obviously. In, he, he'll be mm-hmm. three next month. To get him into into some Star Wars stuff too, I, I do think the films are probably a bit heavy for a three year old. So sure, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm probably not going to be introducing him to those just quite yet. But yeah, you know, but it, it was a fun thing to do. But just overall, I I feel like the one of the great things about Star Wars is that there are elements that can appeal across so many different demographics and age groups. And I think oh definitely yeah. for him it was like. It wasn't just the building or the building was fun. It was seeing the different 
spaceships, the different droids, mm-hmm. all of that. It was just a very like tactile, very um, basic appreciation of the visuals of Star Wars. And as somebody who spends more time reading Star Wars books than actually watching anything Star Wars, it's interesting to see that that side, you know? Yeah, that is interesting. Especially because like, I, I remember Lego Star Wars was a big part of my childhood because as I was getting into the age where Lego was very popular in like the early 2000s, it was as the kind of big Star Wars license hit Lego. So I, I only vaguely remember having the kind of original trilogy stuff, but I remember being there for when the Phantom Menace stuff hit, which was huge. I got as many of those sets as possible, and I still have a good few of them. Um, a lot of them are at my dad's, but I have like there is the landscape like the 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 skimmer tank on Naboo, there was the the vulture droid, the kind of uh Phantom Menace brown one before they I think made it blue for the the Clone War stuff. Uh-huh. And then through Attack of Clones into Revenge of the Sith, I had you know, I had there's a Lego Atta and the Lego um L A A T gunship up at my dad's. Like these are massive sets. I think I remember having a Lego Jabba's Palace. Like wow. it was a fantastic way of any time where i either had the films or nothing to continue having star wars in my life without just having to like grind through watching the films again um because like i didn't really have any access to the the expanded novels or expanded universe novels i certainly wasn't into comics at that age but being able to to build and then keep these kind of artifacts of the films was a massive part of growing up with Star Wars for me. So it is fantastic knowing that that's still a part of kids' experience with Star Wars even now. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And it's, it's just amazing. I was thinking about this uh, earlier today because, um, you know, now with, with streaming services and with just better access to everything, there's very little Star Wars that I could want to show my kids that wouldn't that would be difficult to find, right? The Christmas, the holiday specials a yeah. bit tough to find. I think you know the Ewok and droids stuff from the eighties is a little bit harder to find than some of the other sure. stuff. But overall, it's all at our fingertips. Whereas you yeah. know, we're from a different generation where, it, you know, it was just much harder to do that. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I didn't have you know six seasons of a fantastic Clone Wars TV show. Or four seasons of a fantastic Rebels TV show right. to to grow up alongside. I I had like I came into this world fully formed with an original trilogy handed to me, and then I got to see three pretty mediocre Star Wars prequels uh, to to be charitable. Um, I got to grow up alongside those, but even knowing kind of how the the worst parts of that maybe subconsciously as a kid, having the, the the coolest parts of that in many ways be literalized or physicalized in, in Lego was uh, something I, I always loved experiencing. Yeah, and that's true. Aside from very particular examples, almost all the coolest stuff was the visuals. Yeah. So it, it was, you were able to own all of the best stuff. I, I, I would say so. It was... It was Really formative, yeah. All right, so what's the first on your list then? 
the first on my list is something that I feel like I, I don't know for sure how how popular it is. I, I feel like it's the kind of thing where lots of people are watching it, but maybe not many people are talking about it, or it slipped under people's radar entirely. But it is the Star Wars show on YouTube. It is fantastic. I don't know if you keep up with it, but every Wednesday the Star Wars uh, YouTube has a like ten to maybe fifteen minute kind of weekly. It's like a news slash talk show slash kind of variety style show. It's really um, well done. It's fantastic. Um, hosted by Andy Gutierrez, who I was lucky enough to meet at Celebration 2016 and took a selfie with. It was maybe the best moment of that entire convention for me. Um, and Anthony Carboni, who is a fantastic personality on the show. It's my favorite part of it is that it is a fun, bite-sized dose of Star Wars every week. It's just pure, pure joy for the the existence of Star Wars, um, and I love tuning into it every week. It, it's funny. I, I I don't watch it every single week, but I know that a lot of other properties have similar shows. Like I know DC has a show, DC Daily. That's oh, on sure. the DC Universe app, and they had. Uh, I forget what their show. Well, I, I'm I'm not allowed to watch the DC Universe app um, because I'm a filthy British peasant. <laughs> hey, you could, you according to Warner Brothers, you could have revolted with the rest of us. You chose not to, and therefore that, that's true. That's true. We we tried. We we voted against it. Yes, you have. Your folks have tried more than most. Um, but no. But but what I was gonna say is that those shows are usually pretty bad and also pretty clearly. I mean, look, the Star Wars show is also clearly a giant advertisement. Don't get me wrong. It's not... Oh, yeah, 100%. It's not edgy shit, right? It is, it is absolutely yeah. an advertisement. But they they frame things in a really fun way. I remember when, when Ron Howard was, was I guess... It was after he was announced as the director of Solo, but before Solo came out. Yeah. They did, like, that Arrested Development parody with him. Mm-hmm. Like, they just do fun stuff on that show. Um, There have been, I think more than one um holiday specials there was specifically one holiday special where they brought back the get the kid that plays um uh i can't remember his name off the top of my head but it's the kid that plays like anakin's best friend in phantom menace um they they brought him back as as an adult it's on youtube as the star wars show holiday special it's from two years ago so they've only they must have only done one but it is Maybe one of the funniest six minutes and 22 seconds you'll experience in your life. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where, yeah, as you said, it is, you know, their their weekly news slash kind of, they, they have interviews with either um, kind of people who are related to making Star Wars or people who are, are fans, fans enough of Star Wars to be kind of big names on it. Um... You're Kevin kind Smith, of every week, but you're, uh, yeah, etc. I, I I was trying to think of a specific example of there, and for some reason the only name that popped in my head was Sam Witwer, and then I was like, no, he's one hundred percent been in Star Wars multiple times, <laughs> so that was a bad example. But they have they have kind of small bite sized uh, talk show kind of segments, but there's something very loose about the fact that it's made specifically in-house like it's made by the star wars.com team you get kind of small tours around their office 
there is there is a kind of warm in-house feeling that feels not like marketing. Like I haven't seen the the DC one that you're talking about, but like there's something that kind of gives me the vibe that it feels kind of you know that like forced talk show kind oh, of we exactly have to get is. along yeah. because of mar- marketing. That's kind of what I worried Star Wars show would be, but there's something very homey about it that feels feels warmer than I, than I was expecting. Um, and if you don't believe me, if you, I think it was one of the episodes in the last year, they were talking about moments in Star Wars history and, and how Star Wars shaped the world. And their example was the Shockmaster entrance from WCW. <laughs> oh, that's still in my wheelhouse. Which is, it's, oh my God, it was maybe one of my favorite moments of all time to see something officially Lucasfilm acknowledge the Shockmaster. Because if, if, if you've never heard, if you don't know anything about wrestling, if you've never heard about this, look it up. It's one of the greatest entrances in wrestling history. Um, and that's all, all I will say about it. You, you got to go experience that one for yourself. Yes, agreed. But there's, there's something that feels very, very authentically um, made by fans about the Star Wars show, even though it's made in-house by Lucasfilm. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I will say this, that it is, it's part of this new trend of, um, of specifically like internet-based television, which is, a, we are, I hate that term because it's TV, but it's not TV. You understand what I'm saying? But like, yeah, but, the, yeah. but the, this new trend where everything is edited within a minute, within a second of its life, like you, yeah. you know, they probably talk to whatever whoever the guest is for like thirty minutes, and the interview mm-hmm. on the show will be like four and a half minutes tops, super mm-hmm. quick cuts with scenes from the movies spliced in, like nothing gets a chance to breathe on it really. But that's not a that that's not a Star Wars show problem. That's just like a YouTube show's problem. That mm-hmm. that's what people want. They they probably have a very specific like um time to be under for each episode. Yes. And are are they probably have very, very ruthless editors. Um but I think they they've posted maybe a couple of uh extended interviews um throughout the time. I know they did one for Dave Filoni, um, which is Worth checking out. It's like an entire hour of just Andy Gutierrez oh, wow. talking to to Dave Filoni about life and stuff. Um, and anytime you get to to hear that man talk about Star Wars is is good time uh, in my book. So yeah, if if you're a fan of Star Wars and you're not checking out the Star Wars show, uh, YouTube.com forward slash Star Wars every Wednesday. It is an essential part of your galaxy far far away diet in my eyes at least. Nice. Um, so my my next thing is is a bit of a I don't want to call it a cheat. I don't mean it as a cheat, but it's not like uh-huh. it's not as concrete of a thing as the other ones I have on my list. And that uh-huh. is um the sort of very specific thing that happened in 2018, which was that you're starting to see Star Wars reference different parts of itself in unexpected ways. The example I will give for this is Darth Maul showing up in Solo. Like, sure. Darth Maul showing up in Solo somewhat connects the prequels to the main trilogy, but more mm-hmm. than that, it connects the television universe 
to the film universe. Like Darth Maul still being alive and being a part of a criminal enterprise is a very television idea. Yeah, 100%. And so I really like that aspect of it. And I think that, you know, having The Mandalorian as a live action show bodes well for the continuation of this, right? Yeah, I certainly hope so. And so it seems to me like it's this, that there's this very specific intent for Star Wars now. Maybe because the Skywalker saga is winding down, maybe because they're realizing Mm -hmm. that TV is going to be a bigger part of this than than film is. You're just seeing Mm -hmm. the universe come together in a way where, like, at this point, and we said this on our solo show, at this point, nothing would surprise us in terms of characters migrating over from the TV shows now. Yeah, pretty much. Um... Because I, I I know for a fact there have been many 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 rumors about Thrawn showing up in in the sequel trilogy, and now with Episode Nine on the horizon, like very specifically, like people are, I I, I get the feeling that people are saying it as a rumor just to k- kind of put it out in the universe secret style in the hopes that the universe will answer and make it happen. <laughs> but if Thrawn showed up in Episode Nine. I'm kind of at the point where I just roll with that punch. I just be like, yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for them to put one of the most iconic expanded universe characters in in episode nine. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, or even like, um, I think that again, you you we've seen this over the last couple of years, but I think bringing one of like the uh, the more uh, one of the more uh, prominent characters from the aftermath trilogy like a Ray mm-hmm. Sloan or something showing up somewhere would totally make sense yeah although or, or even the 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 real pipe dream for me which is the Ahsoka Tano movie which if, if I keep talking about it enough maybe it'll happen you know that's not as crazy as a proposition as you think it is no I think we're still a few years I mean away. yeah 10 years ago that would be a wild proposition, but in 2019, that's not as like not not as as wild and out there as, as it may seem. And I think that you're gonna see like four or five years from now, once we have a better idea about the uh, what the streaming service is really gonna look like, you might see more mm-hmm. films like that show up there, like an animated film show up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want a live action Ahsoka, you cowards. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I still, I still like the idea that was floated around of uh, uh, Rosario Dawson playing her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, in some form, which would be just, just fantastic. Um, Lucasfilm, if you're listening, uh, and we know you are, hire me. <laughs> yeah, hire Alice to write and produce the uh, the Ahsoka Tano movie. I would, I would, I would, I would love that very, very much. Um. Was that? Is there anything else you want to touch on with that point? No, just you know. Before I, we move on, I just think that for so long there were these like very defined lines between the various bits of um, of Star Wars, whether it was the the novels and the television and the films and all that. And I'm I'm just very happy to see those lines being erased. Yeah. What's your one hundred percent? Uh, my one is a book that came out that is not a novel because I haven't read any of those in a long time. Um, 
it's a it's a reference book that came out and it kind of got a big buzz as it was coming out, but I feel like it's something that dropped off the map kind of quickly after it, it was released. It was released towards the end of the year, um, which is Star Wars Woman of the Galaxy, um, which is a, a part reference book, part art book written by Amy Ratcliffe um, that details the, the various female characters and their importance in the galaxy far, far away, which is a, an important thing for Lucasfilm to do, I think. Yes. And, and be a fantastic celebration of a bunch of female artists, um, or I should say female non-binary artists, as it is credited in the, the publisher summary, um, of uh, artists that are contributing to these these characters. And it's a gorgeous book. Like They have uh, names like Sarah Alfagi, Jen Bartel, Elsa Charetti, um, Amy Beth Christensen, Little Corvus, Annie Wu, Alice Zhang, like amazing artists that I kind of wish would, they would Marvel would give them Star Wars comics to be honest, um, but who really got to show off their stuff alongside um, Amy Ratcliffe's words detailing each of these these characters and like some of them go. Uh, like pretty deep cut. Like obviously it hits the big points like Leia and Ray and whatnot. But like there's a whole page about Aura Singh, and I I, wow. I really appreciate that because I, I I really like Aura Singh. Um, and it's the, one of those books where I, I as soon as it came out I rushed to get it and it was a fantastic experience. But I feel like it kind of got lost under the radar. Um, and I just really want you to kind of bring it back to the fore going into 2019 that this is the thing I want to see more of from Star Wars, um, especially in terms of their kind of outside the films, outside of the TV shows, their, their reference book work is uh, celebrating these characters and these artists. How long is the book? Um, it's a fair size. Um, it's about 200 odd pages. Oh, wow. okay. Like there, there are uh apparently 75 female characters across films fictions comics animation and games um it goes up to to solo and resistance i believe because uh i'm pretty sure kira is in there um so it's pretty up to date as of like october-ish last year um and it's just a fantastic read and just the the artwork is is stunning literally just google Star Wars Women of the Galaxy to check out some of these pieces. They're amazing. I think that will have to be a birthday present for Amelia in April. Definitely. Um, if I remember correctly, the Ahsoka piece is just stunning. Awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, that was kind of kind of all I got. I just wanted to make sure... <laughs> That that was still on people's radars as we go into 2019 because it's a fantastic book. I'm very excited for that. Um, so my last uh, sort of favorite thing of 2018 was the Star Wars Adventures All Ages series from IDW. Mm -hmm. Are you keeping up with this? I am not. Uh, I'm barely keeping up with what Marvel puts out. Never mind what IDW is because I'm a bad Star Wars fan. Well, the good news um, is that you don't have to really put in a lot of work to keep up because it's all sort of little mini series, one shots, small story arcs. <laughs> There's no like overarching story for these books. 
but they are so much fun. Yeah. I just can't get over how much fun they're having over there. And the artistic and literary talent that they're getting to be a part of the book is they're not going after like necessarily the Stuart Eminem. Yes. Uh, who I yeah. who I adore. That this is not bashing that ilk of Star Wars creator. But it's sort of younger, lesser known, people coming in from different media, you know, coming into there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who are the guys behind the, the throwing adventure hour, they wrote sure. some of it. And when I when it's labeled as all ages, this is really to me one of the shining examples of what that can mean for a book. It doesn't just mean for kids, or it doesn't yeah. mean dumbed down adult stories. It is literally enjoyable for all ages. Um, I got my daughter one of the uh, the free comic book day uh, Star Wars Adventures books, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it sits on her nightstand and she reads it all the time. Because it's oh, that's fantastic. You know, it's just it's a really fun thing. Has a lot of good uh, reread value for kids. And uh, I don't even have like a specific story. I'm going to recommend people go out and get. I'm just think pick up an issue. I don't think you're going to be disappointed yeah. by it. And I think especially because of how. And I'm trying to say this nicely because I'm I'm a guy who, who's not totally caught up on the Marvel books, but I feel like mm-hmm. as sometimes soulless as some of the Marvel books can appear. Yeah. This, this is the opposite of that. Oh, that's fantastic. The the one I I remember being interested in. I don't know if it's out yet or not. I'm going to assume it is. Is the Tales from Vader's Castle? I believe it was called. It was like kind of horror themed. Yes, uh, exactly. Anthology one. And that is out, um, I that is okay. I will definitely need to check that out. Um, I'll try and read that before our, our next episode and and let you know what I thought about that. Um, because that's that's the kind of thing that I I love comics being able to do is these weird exer- experimental studied stories um and i feel like marvel stuff has to kind of it doesn't feel necessarily what i'd call homogenized but it has this weird need to live up to to being in the world of the the films and kind of telling capital i important stories that can be referenced later or what have you whereas something like star wars adventures can just be like Yes, yeah, just a fun Star Wars story using the medium of comics, right. and that's kind of all you need, really. And also, um, you know, uh, just from a, a personal aesthetic point of view, the artists are never concerned with trying to be photorealistic. Oh yeah, and sure. So many of my problems with the Star Wars Marvel comics are their attempts at making every character look photorealistic, and the and how that can really take away from some of the books. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember. I think it was the oh, I want to say it was the Storms of Crate special just before the Last Jedi. Uh-huh. Um, I can't. I I think it might have been actually um, Mike Mayhew who did it, um, which I, I was like mildly disappointed by. But his um, Han Solo and that issue was like one one for one completely uh nails the the likeness of kurt russell <laughs> and and just the weirdest like huh moment of like he, there's there's already kind of an actor whose face you can use if you're looking for for photo <laughs> reference and there there are some panels where i'm just like i i know what frame of what film 
that's from and it's like big trouble in little china you know like <laughs> why not use harrison ford which was kind of a, a weird read so I, I i get what you're where you're coming from that and uh yeah star wars adventures is definitely something that's been on my radar for a while but i, I think i'll need to to really dig deep and uh read more of those in 2019 yeah i'd highly recommend it and, and what is your last sort of 2018 highlight my last 2018 highlight is going to be I'm I'm mildly torn because we have we haven't talked about something very big that came out in 2018 yet but it also wasn't something that really struck me well we've kind of talked about it um my 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 last pick is Resistance season 1 the the one I was touring on is including solo but you know what I think more about Resistance these days than I think about Solo. So I think that merits inclusion on this list more than more than Solo. Yeah, I also think that one of the primary feelings we all have with Solo is that it came out okay, and we were all worried yeah. it was going to be a disaster. So I think just it coming out okay is celebration itself. It had such a low bar of expectation to live up to that it being a pretty good film made it seem like a fantastic film right if that makes sense absolutely um whereas resistance had a fair amount to live up to i would say um in the same way that rebels had a lot to live up to which is that a lot of i certainly felt that rebels even though it was an amicable kind of planned ending for the story kind of got cut down in the prime of its life. Um, its fourth season was really where it found its footing and where it wanted to be um, and was where it kind of connected to me most as a show and then it's over. And I feel like a lot of people thought that way about kind of Clone Wars upon its cancellation was like where it got to in those final seasons was kind of where people had wanted it to be from day one. It just took its time getting there. So resistance coming off of two shows who kind of finally found their footing and then stopped happening and kind of felt weird in terms of how it, how it was pitched it was you know a resistance story set before the force awakens but it was also about these racers but it was also about the rise of the first order and i think being in the middle of season one, it's still trying to figure out exactly what kind of a show it wants to be. But the fact that it is this very clear espionage themed, but with a younger audience in mind kind of Star Wars animated show really marks it as something completely different than we've seen before. And that's why it keeps kind of coming back into the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about Star Wars in 2018 is it's this weird kind of off kilter i'm not really sure what to make of it but i know i'm enjoying it kind of show does that make sense yeah um and I said, i'm very very behind on it i think i've seen the first four episodes maybe um and i've enjoyed them so far but it definitely is i mean first of all i think it's smart for lucasfilm to try and do a new series that doesn't look like rebels or yeah clone wars because rebels kind of looks like the next evolution of clone wars animation style wise this looks totally different than that and that's good yeah I think. I think that's and good. i i will say that i know 
even I was mildly kind of taken aback by its art style um, and like the, the previews of it. I know they say up front that it would be, you know, quote unquote anime inspired, but the, the style of animation is very, very different to anything we've seen from Star Wars. But actually, in the moment of watching the episodes, it looks better than anything I would have conceived of from the trailers themselves. Yes, I agree with like, that too. It's, it looks fantastic, and it still feels Star Wars well, that's, at that, the core that's of it. That's what I was going to say, is that I, I think that one of the really interesting things we've seen over the past, I guess I'm going to say from Rogue One on, has been this mm-hmm. this sort of very conservative idea of something not quote feeling like star wars and i I have been guilty of this myself i'm I'm not going to say this is something that i've never you know um that i've never said or felt before but i think that Mm. what's an important thing for lucasfilm to do over the next five to ten years is to give us a new definition of what star wars feels like because the skywalker saga is supposedly ending you know, again, yeah. we'll see if we never see those characters again or not. But you know, you understand what I'm saying. You know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's... that that nine film kind of block is yes. coming to an end. Yes, so it, it's important to to just expand what Star Wars can feel like. You know, one of the things that, that I said at the time that I kind of said offhandedly, but I, the more I think about it, the more I agree with it, is that Solo to me felt like an extended universe novel on screen, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think to a certain degree. Um, resistance feels a little bit like a uh you know it feels a little bit similar to that too this feels more like one of the stories that would have been told in novels or in comics or in a video game yeah years ago so it, it reminds me very specifically of i haven't read the novels yet but i've read the rogue squadron comic book series okay um from like the late 80s early 90s it was the the series that followed um wedge and his rogue squadron like almost directly after the events of return of the jedi like that and uh i think heir to the empire are like what kind of aftermath supplanted yes um and it is very like one of the things that was kind of taken aback by in reading it is that it's very even though it's about x-wing pilots it's very focused on the small scale lives of the people in the galaxy, any point <laughs> where anything could happen. You know, the, the stability of the Empire is gone, even though there are still remnants kind of clutching to to the importance of that that structure. And then there are the people who are, are fighting against that and who are trying to to plant it with something new. And resistance feels like that a lot, where I, I, I kind of understand where people are saying it, it does feel very small stakes in comparison to something like The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens, which has massive galaxy-spanning um, kind of consequences to its actions. But I feel like also it has this feeling of like those galaxy-spanning consequences don't really mean anything without knowing the people that it's affecting. And Resistance is the show that's exploring the lives of those people. Um, even though they're on the fringes of the galaxy, they're they're kind of removed from the galactic core enough that the New Republic isn't much of, of a, a, a factor in their lives. 
the First Order very much is. And you kind of get to see how insidious their their rise to power is in the, the Galactic Fringes because they are they're they're the ones that are threatening stability in many ways. They're the ones that are saying like, Oh, those those pirate raids, don't worry about them. Here's a squadron of TIE fighters and a platoon of stormtroopers that'll get you through. And how kind of insidious that takes where like people are saying, Yeah, you know what? That is better than having to worry about pirate raids until the stormtroopers are the one that are, are kind of demanding their their taxis and what have you. So it's it's nice to see something that I want to say diabolical, something that sinister on a much smaller scale than, you know, blowing up the entire New Republic. Right. Well, it, it gives you a good reason to understand why the First Order was accepted at all. Yeah. So It, it, it makes the... Because it's one of the things that kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense to me in The Force Awakens was if, like... Leia's resistance is known about by the New Republic and sort of supported, but sort of not approved by them. But also they know about the First Order, but the First Order isn't big enough of a threat for the New Republic to do anything about. Like, there was this weird kind of limbo between, like, if the First Order are a big enough threat for them to blow up the entire Hosnian system, why is Leia having to, like, fund her own private military to to do anything about it and that kind of that that was one of those weird questions that lingered around that film for me um but resistance is doing a really good job of showing just how in the middle of nowhere the first order is when they're building power and how they're taking advantage kind of like the separatists did at the start of the clone wars of the planets that are so far away from the galactic core that the security of the Republic isn't really a factor. And so as soon as they kind of reveal the full extent of their power, the Republic's going, oh shit, we didn't realize there was like that many Star Destroyers in your arsenal. We should have probably paid attention. And I think it's saying something very interesting about the hubris of the Republic to think that Everyone in the galaxy has the same lives as someone, you know, on Coruscant. Right. And and the way that history kind of repeats itself where, you know, these characters that really wanted to to restore the Republic, they were part of the alliance to restore the Republic, are also <laughs> making the same mistakes as the people that kind of brought down the Republic in the first place. So it's it's doing something really interesting. It's also great to see a real a real focus on kind of the younger generation in Star Wars, even younger than like Ray and Finn. These are these are kids uh these are kids. Characters that, yeah. Yeah, they're literal kids, but they're they're characters that kids can really relate to. And I, I think even more so than Rebels, it's this kind of Star Wars that doesn't have a lot of straight up militarized violence. Which is it's always one of those things where like as much of a fun space opera adventure the original Star Wars is, as soon as you hit Empire, there's a lot of war going on in these Star Wars. Yes. Whereas I feel like Resistance might even be something that, that Ben could enjoy. 
because it's, it's very slapstick. It's very hijinks focused, right. um, at least so far. So it's nice to see that side of Star Wars for a change. Absolutely. Well, this is a good place for a break. Yes, it is. And uh... um, we're going to take a quick break, uh, have a word from our sponsors. And when we return, we're going to talk about the new year and what we're excited for from Star Wars in 2019. See you then. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back. Welcome back to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. This episode, we're looking at um, basically looking back at 2018 and looking forward to 2019. And if you were listening this far, and I don't know how you couldn't be, um, we just talked about the things that we um, were most, uh, I want to say thankful for, but I feel like that's a very Thanksgiving and not a very New Year's thing. Um, but the things that stood out to us most from 2018. And then we're going to talk about 2019, the year that's upcoming, because um, I think it's going to be a big year for Star Wars. And one of the things that I'm most excited about, um, and the reason why I think it's going to be such a big year for, for Star Wars, is Celebration Chicago. Um, it has been, I think, like two years since the last Star Wars celebration. Um, as I quickly Google that. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's... it's because, yeah, 2017, because I went to the one in 2016. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was kind of the, the go-to place for, for Lucasfilm since they've been taken over by Disney for them to show off what was upcoming. You know, uh, Celebration Anaheim was like the, the big... Um, the big Force Awakens show off. You know, it was where they re- revealed the second teaser for the Force Awakens. It was where they kind of had that big um, marketing push for the 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 revival of Star Wars, if you would call it that. Um, and it's also where they kind of like first announced uh, Rogue One and showed off its uh, teaser trailer. It's where they showed off the trailer for second season of Rebels. It was a big. It was a big deal for for where Star Wars going in, in the next year. And then <clears throat> Celebration Europe in 2016 was their big Rogue One push. And then Orlando was the big Last Jedi push. You know, they had that celebration of the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. They had the, I, I want to say it was like the the first full trailer for The Last Jedi. Um, but it, And they, they announced that season forward of Rebels was going to be their, their last season. It was, it was, the, the kind of linchpin for, for where they were going in the next year. And they also announced that last year there wasn't going to be a celebration. Um, probably because if they were going to have a celebration, it would have been after re- the release of Solo and there wasn't going to be another film for like a year and a half. 
and it was far too early for them to to start marketing a film they hadn't even started filming yet. So I understand why they took the year off, but it's going to be coming back in April yep. in Chicago. I really wish I was going, but alas, I am not. Um, there was is there still there was, plans for you to go? Well, there was, there was talk of it before they announced the official dates, which the second day of it is my daughter's birthday. Yeah, that that makes sense. So I just can't do it. We were actually talking of getting uh, the DC3 cast to go to it because it's within driving distance kind of for all of us. It's a long Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's a long drive, but it's a drive for, we could all do. Although I I'd probably still either fly or take a train or something. But anyway, it yeah. it was just uh, there was talk of it, but Zach can't do it now and I can't do it. So, we'll see if Vince goes. That's fair. We we might get him as like an, an on-site reporter exactly, for Force yeah. Ghost. <laughs> um but yeah, I I'm very excited for for what they might touch on because there's there's more than likely going to be talk of episode nine. Um, I certainly hope so. Like, I I don't know how they could have uh, a Star Wars celebration in a year where episode nine, the final chapter of the Skywalker saga, is coming out in like six months' time, and they don't talk about it. So, I'm very excited for what that might bring, as well as what they might talk about with more resistance. We might see something about. The second season, which we actually, I forgot to mention when I was talking about Resistance, uh, in the first half of this, it has been greenlit for a second season. So that's going to be very interesting because I don't know if you saw the mid-season trailer at all. I'm going to assume, though, if you're not caught up on it. I, I, I avoided it because I wasn't caught up, yeah. There is very specifically a part of that that, without spoiling it, kind of confirms where the kind of rest of the season lines up with The Force Awakens. Okay. Which makes the second season very interesting to me. And that's kind of all I can get into. Okay. Without actually spoiling it. Um once you get caught up you'll 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 know what I'm talking about. But uh if they do show anything about the second season of resistance, I'll be very excited for that. They have to talk about Clone Wars coming back. Yep. They have to talk about the Mandalorian. Yep. They kind of have to talk about these these shows that they have in development. I don't know why they wouldn't, but also they could talk about you know any number of things that are are being planned and in the works. Maybe you know the fever dream is you know news about Ryan Johnson's trilogy or about the trilogy by those Game of Thrones guys whose names I can never remember, Same. um, or or any number of things that that could be in the works. Maybe we get the Kenobi movie announcement. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much putting that into the world to, <laughs> to, again, hope that it comes true. But, like, there's there's really no telling what could be announced there. But also just the fact that, you know, it's in the name. It's a celebration of Star Wars. And it's something that I think after the last year, we kind of need. Because as much as I try to celebrate Star Wars, and I, I, I'm assuming you try and celebrate Star Wars every time we do an episode of this. There, there is this douche on on Twitter of people who are still harping on about the Last Jedi and Solo and Disney ruining Star Wars and all of this nonsense about how the the SJWs have ruined this thing that we love, and there, there's this feeling of, at least to me, trying to to to, to to defend Star Wars from them. Yes. 
but what I really want to be doing is celebrating Star Wars. And I really hope that I just get to take the weekend off, watch the live stream of it, enjoy any announcements, enjoy anyone that shows up, and just celebrate Star Wars before, you know, the Skywalker saga comes to an end. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, I, my first one is the most obvious one. I wanted to kind of start off most obvious, and that's that's episode nine. That's the end of the Star Wars saga. I think that this is the first time that we can definitively say that this is a planned ending for anything in Star Wars. Like even when the prequel trilogy came out and we were being told like this is the last Star Wars film, there was a pretty healthy wink along with that. And we know that Lucas had originally always planned it as a nine-part series, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this feels mm-hmm. like, aside from some, you know, perhaps uh, if for some reason they do decide to, to do a solo sequel or a sure. or a Kenobi prequel, those type of things, we might still see more so. more stories within this time frame. But it's going to stop yeah. being the primary Star Wars time frame. Yeah. And that's that's exciting. It is. And it, it takes the, the the saga into very uncharted territories. And I think we were kind of assuming, at least on my part, I was kind of assuming that they would want to keep making, you know, numbered episodes, like continue the Skywalker saga, have Ray be Luke's daughter or something in order to prop up the rest of their their Star Wars kind of uh plans if you know what i mean yeah um you know the the maybe it's unfair to paint the rest of star wars media and this light but i i've always kind of felt like stuff like clone wars stuff like rebels stuff like the novels are they're propped up by the core films you know like the episodes one through nine are the backbone on which something like Clone Wars or even something like, you know, the Darth Vader comic can exist. Um, and going into these kind of uncharted wars where we're still going to get Star Wars films, but that kind of core backbone of a tie back, like narratively back to 1977 and Star Wars without that it, it it feels scary almost to kind of work, think about how we're going to react to a star wars film that doesn't have any of that you know even solo even rogue one are narratively held up by the the skywalker saga right. so something completely divorced of that I mean, I don't, I don't know how divorced it's actually going to be. Well, this that's is what I was going to say. Pure speculation. You know, I, I, I um, think that there's still going to be a place for those stories, but it's just going to be, it's just going to be different. I don't quite know yeah. how yet, but I'm looking forward to a new chapter. Yeah, and I, I think the the fact that we don't know how it is going to be tied in or, or connected or stuff like that is is where um, the kind of one part excitement, one part trepidation kind of part of me kind of comes into it but it's it's mostly excitement especially because you know that there's going to be 
like just the nature of Star Wars media, there will still be novels featuring these characters. There will likely still be animated series that will touch on these characters now and then. Yeah. We know that they're not going away. It's just going to be the focus. It's just the focus is going to be different. And I'm very yeah. excited to see what that brings. One thing before we kind of move on. Okay, two things on this, because I actually just kind of thought of them. Um, there, I, I'm, I've, I've still been checking the, the news sites, I will say. They haven't uh, so far announced the, the title of <laughs> episode nine. But thinking about that discussion earlier, do you have kind of a ballpark kind of idea of what like do you have like a title in mind that you'd you'd like to see them? Because I know I know everyone was trying to guess the Avengers Endgame tra- uh, title. Right. Um, do you have something kind of uh, similar for Star Wars Episode Nine? Well, I I feel like it's going to be something. At first, that was going to be something very definitive, and definitive tends to mean dark. So I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be like the death of something. Sure, but it's not. I, I I am now more sure than ever that it's going to be an incredibly hopeful title. Yeah. And so um I I really don't know. You know, I, I, I know that, that there's never been a Star Wars there's never been an, an episode of the saga that's title specifically referred to one person until The Last Jedi. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. even so, that's really more of a metaphorical title than it is a literal title. Yeah, right. So I don't think it's going to be like, you know, um, you know, anything specifically to to Ray or the Kyle redemption Ray or, of Ben. Right, Solo. exactly. Yes, that was actually yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a perfect example of it. I don't think it's going to happen. I also think that his redemption is off the table at this point, which is which is, yeah. is a whole other Me conversation. Too. That, that... That was part two of this conversation. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, but I, 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 if I think the title is going to be anything, I think it's going to be a specific callback to a new hope in some way. Um, a and new, I think it's going to continue <laughs> a new new hope. Um, the newer hope. Second hope is um, the first. <laughs> crystal hope. <laughs> um. No, I, I I think it's gonna somehow tie back to a new hope, um, just because it's it's supposedly the final film. It is certainly gonna be the end of the stories of Luke and Leia, um, I'm assuming, um, and I think it's gonna continue the trend of being the word word, because like. For the longest time, everyone expected The Last Jedi to be titled something in the similar vein of The Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones, a very active title. Um, In the same way that The Force Awakens kind of felt like The Phantom Menace kind of felt like A New Hope. It was kind of vague enough that it kind of spoke to what might happen, but it was just these three simple words that kind of um, talked to the overarching theme of the movie. And then The Last Jedi continued that trend so i think it's going to be if they they wanted to continue a theming of the the titles something the the something something um which i think might be like uh maybe the new hope um uh or 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 the new republic something like that um but yeah the second part of that was going to be 
Ben Solo Redemption or Death? To me, because not that they're mutually exclusive, no. but you know, I mean, to me, that's it's going to be Redemption and Death. He's going to have the Darth Vader ending. Yeah, and, um, and I think that if you're talking about the if you're talking about the uh how can I say this like the the true end of the Skywalker saga Ben mm-hmm. is the end of the Skywalker line yeah so it has to be the end of Ben right I would I would think so that that's kind of the the same thought pattern I have um but my I I I, I don't think he's going to be redeemed I think that part of the story they've been trying to tell with him is that he has had every chance to return to the light side and return to his family that I think he will go down with the ship of the First Order. I mean, assuming the the good guys win in the end, which is, (laughs) again, a big assumption. Um, But I think if the First Order is defeated in Episode Nine. I think he's going down with the ship, and I think part of his arc will be kind of about how some people can't be brought back. I, I think if the the story of Darth Vader is how even people who make mistakes can be brought back, can kind of find their way to the light through their family... I wonder if they're going to tell a story about how no matter no matter how much you're you're connected to your family some hurt can't be undone if you know what I mean I think we're we're going to see a point where Kylo has stepped too far into the dark to to really comfortably come back if that makes sense what do you mean by come back? Um, I don't actually know. I was kind of kind of making that sentence up as I went <laughs> along. Um, but I, I'm I'm now kind of considering Ben's arc and the kind of Campbellian context of the the uh, Joseph Campbell hero's journey, um. And the way that his story is kind of a dark reflection of Luke's, and the way that he is, he has a mentor figure in Snoke. There was a, a hesitance to to step across uh, the threshold and join the dark side, um, and the kind of inciting incident to do so was was uh, seeing Luke standing over him holding a lightsaber, and that feeling of betrayal, and the way that that is kind of a dark reflection of Luke. And one of the important aspects of the kind of the the end of the hero's journey is going back home and both home and the hero being changed so much that they're not comfortable and they cannot return to the same role that they they started the story in. Too much has changed for them to go back to where they began. And I wonder if he has caused so much hurt to the people around him that he cannot comfortably fit back into... Because it's, it's not like Vader where, you know, Vader's an old man, he has kids. Ben's still meant to be pretty young. I, I don't think he could live out the rest of his days 
on the late side with what he has caused. Right. I also think that at this point, he's no longer the Darth Vader character. He's the Emperor now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's actually a good point. He's kind of, he's almost both. I wonder if they're going (laughs) to introduce the the Knights of Ren as like the kind of, almost like the new kind of mini Vaders. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that's been kind of a part of Kylo Ren's mythos since The Force Awakens that we've never seen on screen is these Knights of Ren that he's supposed to be the the leader of. And I wonder if they are going to show up as like what Rey has to go through in order to get to Kylo. Because there, there has to be some more than... Uh, some lightsaber battles more than just the final battle. Like she has to overcome something, and I wonder if it's going to be going to be them. You know, there are so many things that we can guess from just general discussion of of the stuff. But one yeah. of the things I think we're going to see a lot more of is the whole gang together in this movie. I certainly hope so. And so I think it was. I think it was one thing that. As much as I like The Last Jedi, it very consciously split up those characters into the, the kind of like three main storylines. I'd like to see more of them kind of together. I did the Empire thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, I, I really think that you're going to see, you're going to have to see somebody to contend with Poe and Finn and those guys. Yeah. So I think you are going to see the Knights of Ren in, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, so what's your next thing you're looking forward to? The next thing I'm looking forward to is kind of hot on the heels of Episode Nine, uh, being the the end of the Skywalker saga, supposedly. Is another thing being brought back in order to end, which is Clone Wars Season Seven. Um, and to be honest, I'm saying this assuming that Clone Wars Season 7 actually premieres in 2019. Because I, I I don't know if we know that for certain. I think they've hinted at that, but they haven't quite said it I want it you yet. the excuse to talk about Clone Wars Season 7. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I am evangelical about <laughs> Clone Wars to, to a ludicrous degree. Um, to the point where I think I hounded you for more than a year about watching it i think so yes potentially a couple of years uh for watching it which was kind of one of the thrusts of this uh of this podcast in its early days was trying to get you through (laughs) clone wars um it's something that has enriched my star wars experience so much um I'm, i'm pretty sure i've told this story on the podcast before but clone wars and kind of 2014, I want to say, um, was my kind of gateway back into Star Wars fandom. Um, after, like, I, I kind of I watched the the Clone Wars film as it came out. I saw it in theaters, which was a trip because that movie's not fantastic or you know particularly good. But I watched that. I watched the first season. It was. A pretty damn good show, but it was something I never kept up with because I feel like I I didn't age out of Star Wars, but I was in a different place in my life where I kind of left Star Wars at the wayside. And then 
you know, they announced that Disney's taking over Star Wars. I, I think they announced that after I, I finished it. Yeah, no, I was at the tail end of it. But anyway, um, but going through Clone Wars when it hit Netflix and the Star Wars.com chronological order sparked this kind of drive to get back into to Star Wars as as a fan that has, you know, led me to having a monthly podcast about it and having like 20 books on my shelf all about Star Wars. You know, it, it's kind of the inception point for my Star Wars fandom in my 20s, you know. Um, kind of the same way that Lego Star Wars helped with the movie in, in, in my my younger years. And to see it finally get its due and come back and to not have to continually explain to people the the kind of sort of not quite ending the show has because it got cancelled and they never got to do the, the Siege of Mandalore and how, right. you know, you hit season five, end of season five and you get that massive kind of cliffhanger with Ahsoka and then you get like a handful of episodes of the Lost Missions and then I'm like, well, now you have to go read the Ahsoka novel to find out what happens there and then you have to go read Son of Dathomir to, to have a concrete kind of ending to the show and to, to finally kind of cap off the the lives of these characters. Well, not cap off, because we obviously know that they, they continue on, but to kind of have a ending for something like that instead of just leaving it to be told in other forms feels important. And I feel like it's kind of something that they had to go back and do in order to take Star Wars to a new place. It, it kind of felt like a dangling thread that they needed to address. So I am capital E excited <laughs> about about more Clone Wars. Um, remember, how many episodes did they say it was going to be? Uh, I don't actually know. Um, I, I'm assuming it was like a full uh, 22 episode season, but I don't actually know off the top of my head. I'll look it up. Um, I'll look it up. Uh, I'm actually on... God... It says it's going to be twelve incoming episodes. Okay. So it's it's like half a season. Yeah. Um, but knowing that it's going to be the the kind of final twelve episodes, I feel like they're going to be very concentrated. Like there's there's no Jar Jar filler here. Well, do, you know? here's my question: Do we know these are the final episodes? Um. Actually, I don't know if we do. I've just been kind of assuming but i don't know because i know it's like i think they specifically said it's going to be about the siege of mandalore right which is why um ahsoka is by bo katanquis and and that teaser they dropped um and if it's about the siege of mandalore that is like the finale of uh like the clone wars as a war like that that was what was happening alongside the um Grievous's kind of attack on uh Coruscant kidnapping Palpatine and Revenge of the Sith. Right. Like the idea of the Siege of Mandalore was what was Ahsoka doing when she wasn't in Revenge of the Sith? Like why were they uh separated? So I'm assuming it's the 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 capital E the end. Um but <coughs> to be honest I don't know for sure. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I've been debating this in my head because part of me feels like they could always go back and do more of the sort of in-between stories. Because, you know, the, the show was not released in chronological order, as you know. No. So they wanted to go back and fill in little gaps. They could do that. Or they could always fill in the gap between... Like I would, I don't, I don't know how exactly the siege of Le- of Mandalore lines up with like the uh, with the destruction of the Jedi Temple. Do we know that yet? Um, as far as I'm aware, it is pretty <sighs> concurrent. Um, did you read the the Ahsoka novel? Not I think yet. You did. Not yet. No. Okay. Um, it touches on it very very lightly. Um, but I believe that. It's something similar to like what we see in the montage of um, Revenge of the Sith, where like the, the Order sixty six stuff, um, where like that's the kind of moment where Ahsoka disappears and kind of goes into hiding, uh-huh. um, which is how how that uh, novel picks up is her like having uh, kind of gone into hiding, uh, being like a known. Uh, a Jedi. So, I, I I don't know. I I don't know if we have a, a specific um kind of word on it being the end. I've just always been because like they they knew they've talked about how the the eighth season was going to be um like the the finale they planned initially was going to be in the eighth season, but. N- them coming back for 12 episodes and it being you know so many years later I w- i'd have to assume that this is them kind of coming back to do a final 12 episodes and kind of cap it off what was supposed but to be the finale the siege of mandalore that that was oh, the, so the what they so, talked about so, was... so they were gonna do a different season six and seven yeah okay. they were gonna season six i believe would have had uh season six and seven would have still had Ahsoka, but she would have gone off on her own. She was the, what they've shown off from like unfinished episodes was that she was kind of like a private detective, um, and kind of had her own like speeder bike that looked like a chopper, and she almost was wearing like a leather jacket, um, which would have been very very cool to see, and a lot of season six and seven would have been taken up by the Dark Disciple episodes. Because that, that ran through, like, three different sets of four episodes or something like that. Like, there, there were a lot of the episodes dedicated to that arc. Um, and then season eight would have tied into the Siege of Mandalore, which, as I said, was, like, they, they've talked about how it was planned to be kind of Ahsoka's perspective and what she was doing during the events of Revenge of the Sith. Like, Anakin and Obi-Wan are over in Revenge of the Sith doing their thing, with the destruction of the Dead Eye Temple, that whole thing, Ahsoka's in season eight of Clone Wars, and like that brings the Clone Wars to an end, sort of thing. As as far as I'm aware. Okay. Um. So I've always just kind of assumed since they announced it, and since they announced they they showed off that that um trailer with both Titan Kreese that you know they're they're preparing for the siege of Mandalore. I don't know that, so I I, I may actually be proven wrong here. But that's kind of what I've always assumed, to be honest. That sounds about right to me. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah. Um, that was really, like I just kind of wanted to talk about how much I like Clone Wars, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm really excited for for more of it, even if it does end up being the the very last uh, Clone Wars we'll ever get to see. There's something about being able to kind of savor that fact that I'm excited for. I mean, why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. It's so, so what's, your, what's the last thing you're excited? I mean, yeah. Well, I, I got to live up to my ecstatic. Yeah. Well, it's not the last thing. I, um, I've only said one so far. Oh, have you? Yeah. I, I've been losing track then. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so uh, my second one is The Mandalorian. Ah, oh, fantastic. So, again, this is presuming this comes out in 2019. We don't... I'm pretty sure it's going to be. I'm going to think The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars are the two series that will kick off the Disney streaming service. Yeah. That will be my guess. Um, but, uh, so what do we know about this? We know that it is... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I just got a very weird text from somebody. Um, yeah, it, we, we know that it's it's show run by Jon Favreau. We know that it has it a... a a Mandalorian at the lead. We know mm-hmm. that it is not who we don't know the, the exact identity of. No, we know it's not Boba Fett. We know it's not Sabine, mm-hmm. and that's about all we know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we know that there's a crazy set of directors attached to it. Oh, one hundred percent. Dave Filoni, etc. Um, yeah. I've had this a lot to say. Forget you excited about anything. I like that's Filoni. kind of the only the only name you need to be honest. Yeah. Like, as soon as they were like, hey, Dave Filoni's directing the first episode, I was like, I'm sold. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I'm excited about this for a few reasons. I'm excited for a live action Star Wars series. We've talked about Star Wars Underworld. Yes. This isn't Star Wars Underworld. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I- I'm very excited for this in general. I'm excited for a story set between the original and sequel trilogies. I'm excited mm-hmm. for a more deep dive into one world. Like one of the things that's been very true of Star Wars is that almost every Star Wars film, TV show, etc., has hopped around the galaxy, and this seems like it might be very yeah. grounded on Mandalore. Um. Yeah. Um. If it even takes place on Mandalore, right, yeah. Like one of the one of the things that they've kind of shown off that kind of like main picture they've shown off of. The Mandalore, um, <laughs> or the Mandalorian, I should call him, um, kind of looked Tatooine esque. Like it looked kind of, kind of grimy. So like, the the exact setting of it is kind of up in the air. Um, so who knows? It, it'll be it'll be fun to see the the exact scope of of what's going on here. Yeah, agreed. I don't know much about it. None of us do. But that's okay. That's no. what makes it so fun, is that we don't know what it's going to be. No, but have you seen the cast list that they have announced? I have. Because but but holy for, shit! For our listeners, why don't you you roll through that a little bit? So the Mandalorian is played by Pedro Pascal, which like starting off in a strong note because the dude's fantastic. Um. He he was for the longest time my my kind of fan pick for Doctor Strange. I know it was many people's. So him getting to be in Star Wars and getting to lead this, um, you kind of know that the the core lead is going to be fantastic. 
Gina Crano, who I've literally only ever seen act in Deadpool, so I have no idea what to actually take from that, but it'll be interesting. Nick Nolte is in a Star Wars yep. show. Brian, please, Nick Nolte. And that's not even the weirdest name in this list. This no, is my not. favorite part. Giancarlo Esposito is in yep. it, which is fantastic um, because I get to make Breaking Bad references every time we, <laughs> we talk about this. Um, Emily Swallow is in it, who I know her name from stuff, but I can't actually picture her face. Same. Um, but it was apparently Alicia Tepes is voicing uh, uh, the Castlevania show on Netflix, which is a fantastic show if you haven't watched it. Um, Omid Abtai, I think his name is pronounced, um, who is Salim in American Gods, who is also fantastic. And then Carl Weathers is in the show. <laughs> you got a studio one, baby. It's so great. Did did we make this show? I don't know. You haven't even said the weirdest name yet. Werner Hexog is in the yep. show. Like, <sighs> did it's like someone literally took our dreams and made them come true. I don't know if I have creative enough dreams for this. It's the same, but like, I if you if you like paid me infinite amounts of money to just name people that could potentially be in Star Wars, I would never have made it to Werner Herzog. No, exactly. Ever in my life. But he's going to be in The Mandalorian, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that just makes this so tantalizing a prospect, is the fact that it is, you know, it's a TV show that is a weird side story about a brand new character in the Star Wars universe. But because it has that Lucasfilm and Disney backing, they can get people of this caliber. This isn't, you know, here's the Star Wars TV show with CW actors. Right. Not to, you know, offend every CW actor in existence, but you know, if it, if it was that kind of a a budget, you're not going to get Carl Weathers and Werner Herzog and Giancarlo Esposito. Like you you get that kind of caliber with the fact that you're working with Star Wars. And I am so excited to see how this turns out. I mean, also, apparently, IG-88 is going to be in it, yes. which is sold already. So here's my big question, right? Did they tell Werner Herzog that it was a, uh, that it was a Star Wars show? Because <laughs> I feel like there's a good chance I, that, A, he doesn't know what Star Wars is, or, B, that he would no. say no based on Star Wars. So it, yeah. it's like, this is a new show. It's like, all right. And then signs up for it and he's good. It's it's like a weird western, but it's also about like the the crippling melancholy of man. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to be in it? Um oh my god. I, I will I will never get over the moment I learned that Werner Herzog was gonna be in a Star Wars show. So amazing. Um oh, it's, it's beautiful. Um and also kind of tacked onto that is um the Cassian Andor show that they've announced yes. which like we know nothing about other than the fact that it exists apparently um or will exist um but um which again like yeah it's, it's i'm super very cool that, that they're going for, that they're taking a rogue one character and building it in something else because that's a hard thing to do because of how rogue one ends and this seems yeah. like a pretty good way to do it but i hope and this is no disrespect to anybody involved i hope this is a one season show 
Yeah. You don't want to see Diego Luna looking long in the tooth when he's supposed to be younger than he is in that film. That is true. Um, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that, but yeah, that's that's definitely true. <laughs> um, I wonder if that is going to be like kind of a prospect that they're they're looking at is, um, specific focused miniseries. Um, ah, anyway. Um, so what is your uh your final uh hope for next year, or for this? My year? final hope for next year is one that I'm probably not going to get to experience which is one that is kind of weird to mention but um if i'm being honest you kind of took my live action tv thunder so this uh, is my I'm backup sorry. Pick. Um, i'm sorry you know what? i do this on the dc3 cast all the time where i say something that the other guys are about to talk about and then i feel terrible about it so i'm sorry alice it's fine we had to talk about it eventually yeah. um but it also gives me a chance to talk about star wars galaxy's edge Ooh. um which is gonna apparently open sometime in June for the the um, Disneyland, and then sometime in the fall for uh, uh, Walt Disney World in yes. Florida, yes. and apparently sometime in twenty twenty one for uh, Disneyland Paris. Which might I, I that might be the one I get to experience because um, I don't know if I'll get back to Florida anytime soon, but. Florida, especially Orlando, and especially Walt Disney World, has a very special place in my heart. I've been there no less than like ten times in my life. Are you really? It was, yeah, it was like an annual holiday for my family when I was growing up. I've I've been there constantly. Wait a second. What, the, what years were you there? Like, give me a range. Oh God, from like, I I think the first year I went, I was like three. Um, the last time I went, I very specifically remember this was 2011 because I saw Captain America: The First Avenger in the cinema, the AMC cinema in downtown Disney. Oh, okay, that was the last time I went to Florida. Wow. Okay. Um, See, I haven't even been there ten times. <laughs> I, I mean, ten might be an exaggeration. Well, I probably haven't but been there I have eight times. More than five, like between five and ten, that's like a solid number. Um. But I, I I love Walt Disney World, and it's something that's kind of always been a part of my childhood and a part of my adolescence is, is experiencing those parks. It was it's literally other than going to New York Comic Con is the only place I've ever been in America. But you know what though? I, um, we just brought our kids there. For that's the, not true. I've been to North Carolina. <laughs> uh, we just brought our kids there for the first time in April, and like I'm a jaded socialist, whatever. And fuck Disney and yeah. all that. But when you walk in there, oh, yeah. there is a magic. Oh, it's, there's a magic to that place. Literally the most magical place on earth. Um, And a large part of it is the fact that there's always been a Star Wars presence there. Um, Even just as as simple as getting to go on, you know, Star Tours when I was a kid, which blew my mind when I was like six. Um, It's always been kind of hand in hand as getting to go to Walt Disney World and having some kind of Star Wars connection to that. Um, So knowing that it's going to be a full themed land and kind of uh, this massive kind of story driven part of the parks tied into Star Wars is something that even if I don't get to see it anytime soon, maybe I'll get to the the Paris one. I'm so excited for how this is going to turn out because this is the kind of thing I've been dreaming of since I was like four is full size Millennium Falcons, full size X-Wings that you can climb in and sit in 
you know, getting to to have you know crappy Walt Disney uh, diner food in a, a cantina themed uh, restaurant. It's everything I, I wanted growing up. I have already um, been trying to figure out how Disney does their press stuff to see if I can get a press pass to go check this place out. Oh, it, honestly, it's one of those things where like, it would be like a professional jealousy, but I might never talk to you again <laughs> if you get to go. <laughs> like, it would be the thing that breaks up this this podcast is the fact that you get to go and I don't. This, this eight-year friendship um, we have going. <laughs> honestly, like nothing, nothing could bring us apart, apart from the fact that I know that you're there and I'm just like, you son of a bitch. Um, but no, I, I think it's a fantastic idea on Disney's part to to kind of capitalize on Star Wars and bring it, you know, physicalize it in, the, in their parks. And to know it has, like, story effects, the fact that the, the, the planet that it is set on is going to be a part of the Star Wars galaxy and is going to be, you know, it's always, it's a dumb thing that we talk about in terms of canon, but the fact that there is... A story consideration being taken with uh, how it's being and being kind of factored into the park is just ah, uh, I'm 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 just gonna be excited to know it exists. Is <laughs> all I'm gonna say. So uh, I'm sorry in advance if I can get a press pass, but recognize this, okay? For a a, a middle class dude with two kids. This might be the only chance I get to stay at that hotel because I don't know yeah, how little true. afford it with with my kids. Yeah, that's true. So take take mercy on well, me. One one day I will be rich enough. I will get to go there. Okay. <laughs> um. So uh, my final one's kind of a sad one, uh, okay. but not really. Um, my thing I'm looking forward to in 2019 is both Galaxy's Edge and Episode Nine have something yeah. in common, and that is the last Star Wars music from John Williams. Uh, yeah. He's announced that episode nine will be his last Star Wars film, and he is recording new music, original music for this for this theme park attraction. And so, mm-hmm. I I think that you know, he says that he does not think his Star Wars music is all that special. Yeah, but he's wrong. Yeah, uh, he's he's one hundred percent wrong. You know that music brings tears to my eyes. It makes me excited. It makes me laugh. It's 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 wonderful music. And as much as I'm going to miss John Williams being a part of it, I think it's also going to do the type of thing that happened when Lucasfilm was out from under Lucas's thumb, where it will just expand what we consider Star Wars, and it will yeah. give new opportunities for new composers. Like I know we had Michael Giacchino did the um, Rogue One score, and I forget who did the uh, the solo score now. Uh um, it was John something yeah. or something close to that. <laughs> yeah, but it was not. It was not John Williams. That was that was that was not. Um, John Powell. There you go. See, I was right. It was John, it was something. John something. You doubted me. I didn't doubt you. <laughs> you're just mad at me because you're mad at the potential of me maybe going to a press thing. That I, would I never actually go am. To. I actually am. This it, is this is it, like it, soured my mood for the it night. It will never happen. It will never. I know, happen. but like, but you're still mad at me for it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh boy. Anyway, um, so, as I was saying, I just, 
I look forward to both celebrating the end of John Williams' tenure as the resident Star Wars composer and as well as the beginning of something new. And I think that no matter what, even when you meet people who don't even particularly care for Star Wars, I don't mm -hmm. see how they can't appreciate his music. Oh, yeah. Like, it is... And, like... It's just incredible. There's something about the way he writes these, like, set-piece music... Um kind of sections I, I remember distinctly uh listening i i, I want to say it was when i like starting up a a star wars rpg session so i was listening to a lot of star wars music uh at the time to kind of get in the mood of of preparing for that and listening to the um like music from the like siege of hoth uh like when the, the battle of hoth when the walkers yep like the, the the when they cut to the the trenches and they're they're kind of uh watching the walkers kind of uh emerge from the mists and listening to that music out of context you can still picture every beat of that scene free of the visuals yep and that's something i don't think i've ever had from any other composer like maybe um the lord of the rings score um, but there's there's something about the way music is composed by by I don't even want to say like films these days, but like literally any other composer, the music is in sub almost subservient to the visuals. Yes. Um it is there to support what you're seeing. But there's something about the way John Williams writes where he writes music that works for the scene but can also communicate what's happening in the scene without even looking at it you know yep like i i remember i think it was uh steven soderbergh did this whole thing where like he uh showed off raiders of the lost dark without any dialogue or music and just in black and white to show off like how how pure um the storytelling of the image was and i feel like you could do the same with john williams's score is just listen for like two hours of his just isolated music track and still get Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, the story and I always tell about John Williams' music is when I first saw The Phantom Menace, I left thinking it was the first time that they ever used sort of pre-existing music in a Star Wars film. Was Duel of the Fates to me sounded so iconic, I couldn't believe it was new. Yeah. Like that's that's what his music does to me. Um, one hundred percent. And like, the the score for Rogue One was pretty dang good. Um, I think there was there was some really nice flourishes to it, and I really liked the music from Solo. Um, even though like I I don't know if I, I I didn't specifically sit down to kind of listen to it, but I don't know if I could pick out John Williams's like supposed new hand theme. Agreed. In the film. Yeah, agreed. Um. Which was one of the kind of disappointments of that is like they made such a, a kind of big news thing about that, but I don't know if I could have um, picked that out of the of the film. Um, but yeah, n not having John Williams for any other Star Wars films kind of feels like we're we really are coming to like an end of an era because I, I don't know if Mark Hamill's going to have any involvement with. Uh, Star Wars after after episode nine. We know Harrison Ford isn't. We know Carrie Fisher isn't. We know George Lucas probably isn't. 
now we know John Williams isn't, it feels like Star Wars has almost fully outgrown the people that brought it to life. And there's something impressive about that, but there's something also bittersweet about that. Is the fact that this this creative entity is gonna exist well past. I think it's the first time I've really thought about uh something creative. Because like it happens all the time in comics. You know, right. Batman definitely outlived Bob Kim and Bill Finger, you know. Um the Marvel Universe has outgrown Stanley and Jack Kirby. But it's the first time I've really seen it happen in action over the last couple of years. And it's something that's kind of weird to think about. Absolutely. But I think it's also... Kind of bittersweet. Yeah, I think it's also... Um, like, it, with the exception of Carrie Fisher, all of this happened by people's cho- choices. Mm-hmm. Like, so many times that's you true. see people who don't get to finish their vision because they die or something happens, but, like... Lucas chose to sell it off. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, they knew they weren't going to go on past this film trilogy. Yeah. More than likely. You know, everybody's kind of exiting at their own speed, except for Carrie Fisher, which I still feel terrible about. Mm-hmm. But it's that's rare, too. And lovely in a yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. It's sort of lovely to see everybody take their bow, you know, uh, on their own. But, yeah. yeah, you're right. That was, that was kind of a sad one, but it's a uh, bittersweet in a in a really nice way. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, just one last thing. Um, we've talked about what we where we came from in 2019. We talked about the the highlights of Star Wars in 2019, uh, 2018. Even we talked about what we're excited for in the next year. But one thing I wanted to kind of um, kind of hold ourselves to is a, a Star Wars resolution. Um, I, I've, I, we we keep talking about how we're not caught up in the stuff. How I haven't read a Star Wars novels I think since like before the Last Jedi came out. Um, really? which like yeah, putting that into words kind of sucks. Um, like I still have tie-in novels from Rogue One to read. Um, and that's kind of where this came from. Is that I want to hold ourselves to to some kind of Star Wars resolution. And for me, it's to catch up on the novels and the comics and kind of to keep current. You know, I'm, I'm always going to be current on Resistance because I need to review it from all adversity. Which, by the way, if you're not reading those reviews, you should because I enjoy writing them and I want people to read them. It's, it's actually um, a really great excuse to keep current on something if you have to write yeah. about it. Um. So one of the things I kind of want to do with 2019 is start getting caught up with those kind of things and to keep caught up, to stay current. Um, so yeah, that that's my my Star Wars resolution. And if I if I start to slip, I want people on Twitter to yell at me. It's the only time I'm going to invite people on Twitter to yell at me <laughs> is to to get my button gear and get me reading. Um, for me, it's going to be. Uh, it's twofold. It's first of all to get totally current on every Star Wars TV show before uh, the Disney streaming service starts, so I can, so I can sure. start fresh with those shows and not be caught up. My second one is uh, so I recently had a chat for those who don't follow me on Twitter. Um, I also uh, 
I'm the uh, associate editor of a website about the New York Mets, and I do a podcast for them, and our holiday spectacular is always nothing about the Mets. And so me and one other guy on there who's a big Star Wars fan did like an hour conversation ranking our Star Wars films. Because he's, nice. he's a guy who has read almost every extended universe novel and sure. is very upset that they threw that away. Like he says, he doesn't dislike the new movies because of what's in them. He dislikes them for what they stand for. And I, That's fair. I understand that. Even if I disagree, I understand yeah. that. But one of the things was like, I, I would have totally dismissed that opinion if it wasn't a guy I already was friendly with. And we, yeah. and so like, I just sitting down talking about it. It was like, oh, this is really, I'm glad we had this conversation. And so I'm going to try and be more open minded with my Star Wars conversations with people and not instantly judge them for not liking The Last Jedi. I mean, you can hold yourself to that. <laughs> I don't know if I can hold myself to that. Um, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, that is, that is a, I think I do something similar to that where, and especially can, kind of considering the expanded universe, because I was so disconnected from that part of Star Wars, even the good bits kind of languished under just how much of it there was. So having a kind of easy into a new realm of Star Wars canon um, helped me kind of get back into Star Wars. Right, same here. Like with Clone Wars. Um, and it's very easy for the people who are mad at Disney for throwing out all of their books, even though, you know, those books, those stories didn't go anywhere. It's just that they, they're not kind of continuing. Um, I can understand where that anger comes from. It's just when people, you know, send death threats that you're kind of like, yeah, maybe you should chill out a bit. Um, but yeah, that's 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 some good resolutions. Um, I think we should, we're in a position where I think if we maybe kick off book club for 2019, bring back the, the Star Wars book club and uh, head up some new projects I have in mind for 2019, there's uh, some good measures in place for us to kind of keep up with uh, all of the Star Wars in 2019. Yes, I agree. One of my one of my decisions I made is that um, like while I'm still going to be reading the books that I have that I haven't read yet, I have to be current on the books by the time episode nine comes out the current on the episode nine books i want to read all those books come out this year before the sure. film so we'll see we'll see what happens yeah definitely well, alice until our next episode where can folks find you i am as always on twitter at alice w castle where you can find me talking shit about you know lots of things <laughs> but mostly the mcu lately um and i'm at multiversitycomics.com where you can find me writing about Star Wars Resistance every week. Uh, I do our Five Thoughts reviews on the show, and I'm really enjoying it. This last episode was a really deep dive on the character of Niku, but in a very interesting way, not something that kind of discussed backstory, but was more on an emotional level. And I've also started a new column recently called Multiversity Call Sheet, where I take um, upcoming comic book films, potential comic book films, and kind of discuss what I'd like to see from them and who I'd like to see involved. The last one I did was kind of uh, ambitious looking at Matt Reeves' upcoming The Batman, which may or may not still involve Ben Affleck, but I took an idea that it could be to see you about Batman and just ran with it. It's a, it's a really interesting read that I'm very proud of. Um, but yeah, where can people find you, Brian? Uh, I am on Twitter at Brian is a nap. I'm doing way too much Multiversity Comics. 
and uh as always as always and uh i hope you can find me in the next uh few months i've actually been uh i've I've always made some music but i'm really trying to focus on making some music now so and and, and you are as well right yeah actually i uh got myself a midi keyboard over the holiday break i've uh been learning through the skillshare website about like music theory and music composition and mostly just kind of testing about on garage band to see what i can make um but that's something that i've been kind of trying to get myself into garage band in 2019 garage band's a super easy like uh entry point to that sort of stuff yeah it's uh the fact that i've been able to make i don't know if i would consider them songs um but i have to made stuff in them um even though i know nothing about actual music theory you know i don't even know how to read sheet music anything like that the fact that i was able to finish something that i thought sounded pretty good is uh really impressive so something i want to do is uh just become more confident and stuff like that yeah so look for hopefully some music from both of us this year yeah hopefully we'll be uh composing for the show and and for the star wars films because now that john williams is walking away this is a perfect oh, yeah, time there's for us actually to get in there. yeah <laughs> oh yeah cool uh so yeah you'll see us in 2022 when we're composing for uh star wars episode uh 10 yeah but yeah we will be back next month um as always talking more about star wars and uh hopefully we'll know more about star wars episode 9 by then because uh knowing us they'll probably post the the title the day this goes yep. up but until then may the force be with you 